0: Uh, So anyway, today I just, I got to to reading scriptures and sometimes, Robert Morris sometimes, he talks about how he does a sermon. He compiles about 300 scriptures and then he just whittles it down to, you know, the few that he can actually preach in the time allotted. Uh, But today I've got like, you know, a bunch of scriptures here and I want to read them to you and I want to take you on a journey through them uh, so that you can learn something. Amen? And today's uh, advice is, you know, find one scripture and one topic, and fo- you know, because, you know, sheep are stupid, you know, you don't want to get over everybody's head. But y'all look like an intelligent crowd today, okay? So I'm going to stretch you out and use more than two scriptures, all right? I think y'all can handle it, amen? So if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, today, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, he's alive, now what? Or he is risen. Yeah, he is risen. I gotta get my note track, because on one thing I got, he's alive. But anyway, he ain't dead, all right? <laughs> Jesus ain't dead, now what? Um, and so we see that, that we saw, saw that Jesus, after he left, that people were being saved, they were being baptized, they were being filled with the Spirit. Uh, God was starting his secret weapon plan, the church. And you know, and it's awesome because some of the words today were talking about the church, the importance of it. Let me tell you something the church is important. It, it, is, it is one of the grandest ideas that God ever came up with. It, it was a secret plan. Nobody knew about it. The angels didn't know. Everybody's trying to figure out, God, what are you going to do with this knucklehead creation down there? How are you going to save these people? How are you going to redeem these people? How are you going to use these people? And, and, and we'll read here in a minute how he intended to do that. But the church is important. Jesus is the head of the body. Not only in authority and leadership, but he is the head. We are the body. We are the torso, the limbs. I mean, we're, we, we are the, the rest, all right, that follows where he leads, that thinks as he thinks. You know, he's the he's the, the, the wheelhouse of the whole project. And we are, it's so vital for us to, to be a part of what God has designed us to be a part of. And, you know, if, if when, you, when you read it, and I'm going to talk about this at next, you know, at lunch. But when you read Acts 2.42... Uh, it talks about all the things that the church did. And it says this. It says, And the Lord added daily those that were being saved. When, your, your membership into a church is performed by the Lord upon your salvation. Because when you get saved, you become a part of the body of Christ. And it is God's plan that you learn how to be a part of the body of Christ. That you grow in the body of Christ. He has put us in this Sometimes we think life is messy, and it is, but God has put us in the perfect situation for us to grow, for us to mature, for us to learn, for us to trust. You know, I was just, man, that song, that last song we sang, Great Are You, Lord, it is so powerful. And, and man, I just began to cry, and I just began to worship the Lord, and I thought, you know... We man, when I go to watch Cami at a baseball a softball game when she smacks that ball, I have no problem or no concern of anybody around me seeing me jump up and go, "Yeah, I get excited, you know and I'm like, how much more enthusiastic and excited and passionate are we to be about God who he it's his breath in our lungs when he created Adam, he breathed life into him, and Adam came to life and I mean uh you know and, and there's a lot of things that we can draw out and, and explain like this is how a human body lives. And, you know, it's so interesting to me how the heart, you know, beats and we are alive. But here's the deal. What makes that heart keep beating? You know? It, it's just like, it's God. It's God. And, and so just to, just to be so thankful to Him for what He does in our lives and how he, how he takes care of us. You know, and even in our giving. You know, I know there's some people who... You know, they call it the prosperity gospel, whatever. But here's the deal. Here's the point. You give to God, God's going to take care of you. And, and Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of its own. And God wants us into a place where we don't get everything right now, but we get what we need today. And we wake up tomorrow, we get what we need tomorrow, and we get up the next day. He wants us to trust Him for the moment. And this is called walking daily with God. Amen? So I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. And today, I want you to know this, that the church is for not only showing God, but it's for growing in God. The church is for showing and growing. And so we see the New Testament church, people who were being born again, baptized, Spirit filled, and they have all these gifts now, but God wants us to corporately come together as a unit, as a team, as a body, and accomplish what He has set forth for us to accomplish. Uh, in Ephesians 9, 9-11, it says, and, and we touched on this last week, and, but I want to kind of go a little bit further into it. It says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So God had a mysterious plan that was hidden for ages, and it says, so that through the, what? Church. church. Now, what's the Church. Is it this old feed store that's been added onto a thousand times? No. It is us. It is the body of Christ. It says, show through the church, the manifold. And I want you to remember that word. Wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He doesn't only want the world to know it. He wants to show in the heavenly places what his will was, what his plan was. It says, this was according to the per- eternal purpose which he has realized in Who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. So Jesus made it possible. Jesus made it happen. Jesus made a mystery become revealed uh, to the world. Now, the word manifold there, his manifold wisdom. You know, manifold means having numerous parts, elements, etc. And last week, I kind of shared a little bit with the second service, but Dad came up after the first service, and he began to tell me about a, a manifold on an engine. Now, how many of you know that there's a manifold that goes into an engine. There's also, what, a manifold that comes out the engine. So there's, a, there's, a, you know, there's the manifold that takes the, the air and the gas mixture and it distributes it to each piston and then an explosion happens, right? There's a fire and then after all that stuff is processed it comes out the exhaust. So whatever's left over comes out the exhaust manifold. And, uh, and I want you to see the, the church... Think of it like an engine like that, like a manifold God wants to God wants to manifest himself through the church, but there has to be God has to be involved, right? You just can't have a bunch of people like you know like the breakfast club hanging out and whatnot. There has to be a God presence in what they're doing, mixing it up, distributing it, distributing it where it needs to go through the various people, through the various gifts through the various talents, through the word, all these things need to come together. And then they go into the pistons and then bam, there's an explosion. There's a fire. There is an action that happens when you put all these things together. And that's what God wants to do in his church. He wants to through His Word and through the presence of the Holy Spirit, through the people that He brings, that He adds to daily, through the gifts and through the callings and through, the, and through truth and through encouragement. He wants to mix all these things up, not just so that it can be mixed up, but that there's an action that follows the power of God. And He wants to manifest that through His church. Not individual long-rangers that profess Jesus, but He has called us to be a part of His unified church. And so we see this, but also there's the exhaust part. And, and I want to read you this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this, this kind of talks about the exhaust part. And, and, and Dad brought it up, and I've been thinking about it all week, and it makes even more sense, and, and, and there's more to it. So we see God wants to mix all these things that he talks about that are a part of the church, to see action follow. But then there's the results, right? Then there's the leftovers. Then there's what really matters. Now we know on a vehicle that it's just exhaust. There's nothing important about it. But God wants things that are of value to come from his church and to remain from the happenings that go on in the church. Amen? He doesn't just want us doing things for the sake of doing things. He wants us doing things that glorify him, that serve him, that build his church, that build lives, that bring people to Christ, and that manifest themselves with fruit. God's all about fruit. Go out bearing fruit. Be fruitful trees. And in 1 Corinthians 3, 8 through 15, this is Paul talking about him. You know, he was, he was an apostle. There was Apollos. And these people were saying, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And Paul says, look, dude, you're focusing on me and Apollos. We're servants of God, but this is what you want to focus on. He says, He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. What is he talking about here, God's building? He's talking about the church. You know, we are God's building. We're a tabernacle. I mean, there's all kinds of descriptive uh, terminology to explain the body of Christ. It says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. He says, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And he says this, he says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying here is this, is that without the foundation of Jesus Christ, you don't have a foundation. I mean, what do we have without Jesus? We have a lot of wasted Sundays. We have a lot of wasted of much. But here's the deal. We are built upon the foundation of Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone, amen? Jesus is the cornerstone to this, this temple, this this building that we are a part of as the church. And it says that we are being built together upon that. And Jesus, is, is once again, is the initial uh, entrance into church membership into the body of christ when we were a part of his body but paul says here look we built the foundation of jesus and without that foundation you don't have a foundation you don't have a you don't have salvation you don't have a church you don't have really anything and then jesus talks about you know the wise builder one that built upon the rock amen of our salvation Jesus Christ, and then, and then one built his house upon the sand. And then the storms came and the floods came. And what happened? The one that was built on the sand just crumbled and went away. But the one that was built upon the rock stood steadfast, stood solid, was unwavering. You see, Jesus, Jesus, you know, I love to say this. Jesus said there'd be days like this. Joey talking about sufferings. Stuff is going to come against you to test you. Stuff is going, Your faith is going to be tested. And you know what? It isn't so God can see how you are on the inside. It's so that you can see where you stand on the inside. So that you can say, do I really believe what I say I believe? Do I really trust God in the areas that I say I trust God in? Now, he goes on here. He's talking about a foundation. And I want you to look at this in your personal life, but I also want you to look at this in the life of the church. It says, now, if anyone builds on the foundation, okay, okay, so, this foundation, which there is no other foundation other than Christ, he says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, okay, each one's work will become manifest. All right? So, in our personal lives being built upon the foundation of Jesus, as a church being built upon the foundation of Jesus, our works will be made manifest. Were they works that God wanted us to do? Were they truly valuable, precious things? Or were they self-things? Or were they, you know, things that brought glory to us versus God? Or were they things that just, you know, everybody else is doing it, let's doing it. Versus, you know, what, what are valuable things that we're to do? Versus what are things that are not valuable that we should do? And he says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by what? Fire. So as as things come to mix and they go into the the, the manifold and they go into the engine, there's an explosion. And nothing that can not withstand that fire is going to come out the other end. It's going to get burnt up unless it can make it through the fire. And what he's saying here is this, is that we need to build upon the foundation of Christ things that will make it through the fire. Things that will still be standing once they have uh, done their course. It says, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. It says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. I actually saw this yesterday. There's a, you know, how many of you know that you know, your salvation is secure in Jesus? Amen? And that's, that's your ticket to heaven, okay? That's why you're going to heaven. It's not because of all the good things that you've done, because we'd all be in a bad bind if our salvation was dictated by how well our performance was here on this earth. But the Bible does teach that we will be rewarded for our faithfulness and for our stewardship and for the things that God has called us to. And so, but he says here in verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Those, yeah, exhaust manifold. Whatever comes out that exhaust manifold, whatever is left there is what you have. But some of the things will not last because they are not valuable things. They are wood. They are hay. They are stubble. They are the things that when we, when we get off of what God wants and we begin to cater to self and our desires and, and, dude, it is so easy, especially in a spirit-filled place, to say, well, God told me to do this. It's so easy. All you have to do is simply say this, God told me to do this. I've had people come up to me and 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 do things that were ungodly and sinful, and tell me God told me to do this. Well, I could call now you could call that out easy, right? I mean that's easy to call out. But sometimes, you know, hey, you just don't know. Hope it works out for you. We will see at the end of the exhaust manifold. Amen. We, we will see. I've seen I've seen men. I, I remember when Dad was, was still pastoring. I've seen men tell him. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, this and that and the other. And, and, and they both cordially agreed, we will see. And years later, people call back and say, you were right. We have seen at the end of the exhaust manifold. And so we, we need to understand that about us and our church. A church is accountable to do what God has called us to do, to be fruitful. But he says this, if we be burned up in the fire, he will suffer loss, okay? Though. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So if you're saved, you're saved because of the blood of Jesus, but we will go through the fire. John didn't just say that Jesus was going to come and baptize with the Holy Spirit. He said he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. We're going to go through the fire. And, and, and Paul says, the things that are of value that we build upon the foundation, of which there is no other foundation outside of Jesus Christ, those things that are solid, they're going to make it through the fire, amen? So build things that are going to make it through the fire in your life. As a church, we are, you know, as a corporately, individually and corporately, we are accountable for the same things. You know, we teach you people to give, right? Generously. God loves a cheerful giver. But there's a reason behind that. Because there are needs to be met. There are souls to be won. It ain't for me. I don't want a boat. Those things are a pain in the rear. <laughs> Amen? I had a boat. I used it twice. And I had to change the tires both times because I never used it, you know? So, I mean, but the, the purpose is this. is God, what do you want to do today? It was awesome yesterday. Uh, Mr. Uh, I can't think of his name. Mr. Smith, I believe it was. Yeah, from, uh, from Newton. Uh, Newton Emergency Management, okay? You know, we have these county management services. And he just put a little note on there saying, thank you, Gateway Church, for being so generous. And for those of you who don't know, about three or four weeks ago, we gave our entire Sunday offering, tithes and offerings, and we went and got, how many? We got 200, it was 13000 something dollars. We got $275,000 uh, gift certificate, or uh, cards, and we gave them to them, And we said, this is yours, do with it what the heck you want, and give it to the people that need it. No stipulations from us. That's not giving when you give people a list of things to do with the money you just gave them. It's still yours. No, here, you take it. And we got a letter this week from people saying, thank you all for giving, you know, because these people are in dire straits, amen? And it is so refreshing to say, somebody gives a flip about me, and it's even better to say, hey, I'm giving a flip about you because Jesus gives a flip about me, amen? Amen. Uh, and then Robin, where is Robin here or is she going to be here at the next hour? I don't know, but Robin, you know, you know she, she had, a, she had her, her teeth, you know, done. And, and man, just to see her smile yesterday. And, she, and she, she wrote us a letter. She says, every time I smile, I will think about Gateway Church. You know, and just see how, you know, how, how, how happy she looked, you know. But also just the health benefits that she's going to have. And last week we took the, you know, we needed about $4,000. Guess, guess what we took? We took up over four thousand dollars on the spur of the moment like that. And we were able to meet that need. Now how many churches can do that off the cuff in the spur of the moment? Because I know this. I mean, hey, I've had I've had uh I, all my money's pre spent, okay? I mean I'm getting off on a tangent here, I better get back on the sermon. But you know what, so many times, you know, I wanted to go buy this or that, a scope, a pistol, you know, a uh you know, whatever And you see a need, and you're like, well, I have the money to meet that need, but it's about needs more than wants, amen? And that's what God has called us to do. But it's just so good to see the fruit that makes it through the fire, the things that are going to stand the test of time. But the exhaust, what's left over? The hay, the straw, and the stubble will not make it through the fire that Jesus is going to introduce into our lives and we as a church and my point about that giving was this is we tell you guys to give generously but the church we can't tell you to do this and then as a church well we're we're a, corp- a corporation corporation you know whatever you call it and you know but we're gonna we're gonna run this like a business no it takes the same amount of faith for the corporate church to run as it does for the individual and uh that's pretty crazy to give away a whole sunday's giving right Cause we got bills, you know. The church has bills. Yes, we have to pay for lights and all this stuff. They do not give churches free electricity. So that's that's the exhaust picture we'll see. That, that God God has put us. God has not only put us in the church, okay. For growing, all right. He has put us in here for showing. We're for growing and showing. We're here to to grow in God and people. And that's what people really see that does the showing. How is this God, how is this Jesus, how is this Holy Spirit working out for you in your life? And that's why it's so important that they see us building things that last upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's why we can't go around just, you know, on our own whims and desires, putting God's name on something that He didn't, you know, that, to me that's putting God's name in vain. It really is. Some people think it's using a curse word, but no, God's saying, look, don't be misrepresenting my name. Don't use my name for foolery. Don't use my name falsely. Don't, don't use my name to approve of things of which I do not approve. And then Ephesians four eleven through 16, and we read this last week, but I want to focus on the bottom part. And it was awesome what William had to say a while ago about the body of Christ, about, you know, if you cut your leg off, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to have to figure something out. You're going to, have to get, you're going to have to get a prosthetic. I mean, because you're not going to be able to function without that leg. Ephesians 4 11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers. Now, these are the gifts of Jesus. It says, To equip who? The saints for the work of ministry. So, what is a saint? Is it people that are on coins and cool necklaces? No, it is believers of the household of God. It is, it, is, it is saints. It is, uh, is born-again people who profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So, so as a saint, what do you need to be doing? You need to be equipped for what? Warming up a pew? No, for ministry. You know, the word ministry is used various different ways in the Bible. You know, I mean, some sometimes it talks about the, the office of a deacon, but the, the the base word ministry means serve to serve. So, so the church is to equip the members of the church for service. We're having a you know a servolution. Let's go serve the community. We're having a women's deal. Women, y'all get together. We're having a men's deal. Men, y'all get together. We're having a family deal. Hey, let's everybody get together. You know, and, and so there's times to step up and be a part and to offer to contribute. That's part of our mission statement, you know. To walk in grace, you know, and see, contribute, you know, to be a part, to, to help the effort, all right? The war effort against the kingdom of darkness, amen? There's a war going on, whether you know it or not. But he gave these people for the, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for what? Building up the body of Christ. And you know, there's people out there. They spend all their time building, de- destroying the body of Christ. And then you have people that, you got people that destroy, you have people that watch, and then you have people that build. It says until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Now, I don't think this means this. this I think this means the faith, the important things. You may like blue, I may like brown or whatnot. We're not going to be a bunch of clones that think alike but when it comes to the doctrines of the word of God we need to agree you know what salvation is where it's from and it's effect on our lives it says but we are to attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to what? mature manhood grow the heck up grow up grow up and then here's the thing we've got Believers from every maturity age in here, you know, from 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 newborn to old as Methuselah. Who would that be? I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, you see what I'm saying? And here's the deal: it's a constant, ongoing. There's, I mean, you you can I mean, that's what we do, right? You never at a church find yourself, okay, hey, we're all going to mile marker one today, and then tomorrow we're this is the This is the conundrum a pastor finds himself in. Because you're trying to feed everybody at one time and get everybody on board, and you're like, good grief, man, this is like impossible. And when people are unfaithful and don't want to be a part, there ain't a dang thing you can do about them. You know, a pastor cannot fix your problems if you're unfaithful to what he's already told you to do in the Word of God. Not what I've told you to do, but the Word of God has to be a prominent thing in your life. It has to be something that you trust, that you believe in, uh, you, know, you know what? Here's, you got two options. I don't know how many years you got, but you can guess through them or you can be taught wisdom through them. You can guess through them. I don't want to take a gamble with my kids' life. I don't want to take a gamble with my marriage. I need answers. I mean, heck, I read the Bible and I still like need answers sometimes. And all you can do is you can go to God in prayer and say, God, reveal to me what I need to know in this situation. And that's where you have to trust the Holy Spirit. Robert Morris, when I remember when, when, when I was becoming a pastor or whatever, he, he had a word for me one day, and he says, you know, God's going to tell you some things, but other things you're going to have to figure out on your own. I'm like, dang, I don't want to hear that. I want to know everything now. But then that's, there's no journey to that. There's no walking with God. There's no, there's no you know, what, there, yeah, there's no faith involved. Faith is trust when you don't have it right now. But it's the evidence of what you will have says, so we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Who are we to grow up into? Into Christ. He's to become more a head of the body. He's to become more integrated with the church and the life of the church. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. So every joint, every part, every member, every believer is a part of a grander thing. And every one of them has a role to play. Every one of them uh, is to be equipped for ministry to do what God has called us to do. Amen? That's what the Word says. It says, and listen to this, when each part is working properly. So if you're in each, raise your hand. So when you and I and all of us are working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Some of you people cringe, oh God, he had to say the love word. You know, I was sitting in the bed the night with Christy just thinking about all the the good and the bad we've gone through. And we were just thinking, you know what? It's evident that we love each other because we're still together. <laughs> Seriously? But but it but it created a gratefulness in us of what we have endured, most of which we created ourselves, but you know, the fact that God is so good. And that God can restore some messed up, broken stuff. But when each part, when each of us is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it, grow, it builds itself up in love. The church is the perfect scenario. Context is as important as content. You know, we can know the word, we can you know hear the word, but if we're not living the Word in the context of the body of Christ that God has called us to, we are going to be missing so much that God wants us to experience. Because I'm going to tell you what, it's not a perfect deal. You know, the Bible says that, 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 that Jesus told Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, he said, and, and he talked about the gates of hell, you know, shall not prevail against what? The church. But how many of you have ever seen a church fold? A church come into non-existence. A church that ain't around anymore. Churches going out of business, basically. How in the heck do you go out of business when you're not even supposed to run it? You're supposed to rely on the Holy Spirit to make it happen. And then you see in Revelations, Jesus says that you better go back to the place where you have fallen and repent and do the works of which you did it. You need to go back to your first love or I'm going to remove the candlestick from you. So who shuts down a church? It's not the IRS. It's not the government. It's not the comptroller. It is Jesus himself. So tell me it's not important to, to build things of value upon the foundation of Jesus Christ in our lives and also in our churches. But he's put us in this great context to walk in the content of his word. Uh, to To, okay, how am I going to learn how to deal with with a relationship when it's gone around. How am I going to learn to walk in Matthew where Jesus says, go to your brother in secret if there's an offense? How am I going to learn to do that by being offended by your brother? And then God keeping it even when you offend somebody and they have to come to you. And this is where people don't want to go. If you want to go deep, if you want to be a part of the body, you've got to humble yourselves and do what the Word of God says even when it goes against your flesh. And say, okay, we have to honor God. Most of the time when I do things like that, it ain't because I want to. I don't, like, I don't like, you know, humbling myself sometimes to other people. You hear what I'm saying? I'm being real. I mean, nobody likes to look like a fool. Nobody likes to say I was wrong. But when it comes down to it, where well, the rubber meets the road, are you willing to obey God with the faith that God says, the right thing's going to happen if I do the right thing? Because it's hard. And how do we learn to do these things that God says to do? He puts us in the places where we have to do them or not. He puts us in the place where we can choose not to do them and things go to hell in a handbasket or we can do them. Man, I've seen so many situations where I thought, I'm done. This is over. This is the end. I'm I'm looking at the very end of the rope. But obeyed God anyway and then the rope lengthened. Or a road unve- un, you know, unveiled itself in front of me and said, oh, this ain't the end. You know, God loves crossroads, amen? Because it's at those crossroads. He does so much in our lives. But the church is for growing and showing. It's for growing us and showing the world who God is. You know, and in this love, I, you know, real quick, I want to share two things. When you use the word love, some people are immature about that. You know, I mean, your kid, you know, when you get on to them. They you don't love me, you know, but no. It's, it's your responsibility as a parent to love that child. And the love isn't necessarily, you know, love's a pretty complicated word sometimes, right? And then the Bible says that we, we can't even love without, you know, ex- receiving the love of God. But what we need to understand is that love, love isn't just being nice to everybody. It's being concerned about their best outcome in life it's about being concerned about their their life, their walk with God, about each other and we we need to love. We love each other as ourselves because you're a part of my body. You're a part of the same team. You're a part of the same church. We're like related. You know, we talked about that, you know, that the the kingdom of heaven, there there is no there is no Jew, no Greek, no black, no white, no Hispanic. We're all we're all his kids. We're all of the same bloodline of Christ because of the profession that we have made. But but two things for, for love, we need to... It's got to be guided. Or what we do, okay? We always have to ask the why. We ask the what often, but we need to ask why do we do what we do? And two things. It needs to be guided in truth. And it needs to be done in love. Amen? You can't separate the two. We see God. I mean, God... God is, a God, is a, a God of justice. He's a God of love. And they don't compromise each other. It's who He is. And until you understand that, you're not going to have a complete, well-rounded understanding of God. Uh, but 2 Timothy 4, 2-4, it says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. It says, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now, he says this. Be patient with people. Because, you know, we got some baby Christians and we got different deals. But he says, Nonetheless, reprove rebuke and exhort, preach the whole entire word of God. It says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. It says, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening the truth and wander into myths. If you're not paying attention, every day I see something that is just just preposterous in how in the heck did this come to pass? How did this statement even come to fruition? How did somebody even think something you know, that, like this when there is, a, there is the, the Word of God written, I mean, more available than it's ever been, but just as, more ava- just as available as the Word of God is, is available the myths and the foolishness of men. And you watch talk shows led by worldly natural-minded thinking. And you watch talk shows, and they introduce things that are an abomination to God and to our country that have become the norm. And now if you say anything about it, oh, you're just a, you're just a jerk. You're not walking in love. You cannot withdraw truth from love, and it be love. You cannot do that. It, they have to mutually be in existence. Hey, I've, never, I've, I've had days where I've read the Bible, and it slapped me right upside the face. And here's the deal, like God told Jonah, does it do you good to be angry? No, not really. Doesn't do me a bit of good. I mean, what, what are you gonna do? You gonna arm wrestle God? You gonna you know do some UFC grappling with him? Cause he wins every time, hands down. God doesn't need a tap out shirt. All right, he doesn't need to fake himself or fake the funk. All right? He's a tapper outer. He just bam. So we must, we must be guided in truth and we must be done in love. You know, we talked about the gifts last week and how the Holy Spirit wants to use us to manifest the gifts for His glory, not ours, and to build up the church and to help. And it's a part of this, this manifold stuff that God wants to put into this, this church, you know, to see His self revealed. But First Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Or a ding dong. I like to throw that in there. You're a ding dong. If you think, man, you're all super, you know, Holy Spirit filled and got all these awesome gifts and say all these things, but you don't have any love, you're a ding dong. You're a noisemaker. You're not profitable to the kingdom of God. All your stuff's going to burn. All you're going to see come out the exhaust manifold is a pile of black crud. There's not going to be anything that, that, that makes it through the fires of Christ that are going to stand out and say, I was fruitful for the kingdom. It says, if I have prophetic powers and understand and, and all mysteries and all knowledge, but, and I, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, But have not love, I gain nothing. And so we as a church, we have to realize that, you know, that we need to be a church that is in tune with God and and for those people that have been hurt. Let me tell you something. People have been wrongly hurt in church. People have been done wrong in church. But you know what? Those people are sheep that need to get back in with the body. Those people need to be restored back to their family for their health and for their wealth and for their encouragement and for their, for their future. Amen? But we need to be a church where people feel like I can go to that church and receive that. I can go to that church and be cared for. I can go to that church and be loved. I can be, go to that church and grow as a mature believer in Christ because of what goes on there. Because of not only the content, but because of the context that those people follow. You hear me? context is just as important as the content and god created the church to be the context that we're to walk in and to grow and to fail and to get back up and to watch other people fall and to help them back up that's what the church is to be that's what god's plan was and in this it's not all of our wins that the people need to just see they need to see us Sometimes in our struggles. But learn not how to walk in them. Not to walk in your struggles. But how to walk out of them. With our head held up high. Us praising the name of God. Because of what he has done in our lives. Us being thankful. Us being grateful. Us walking in a, in a relationship with God. That is what it was meant to be. Amen. And so what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Are you fully taking... Advantage of what God intends for you to receive through His church. You know, Wednesday nights we have teachings, and it's it's statistical. You could go to any church in America; you're not going to have the Sunday crowd that you have on Wednesday. But why not? You know, we're a church. We don't we don't do something every day, every night, because we realize life. You've got kids, you have got to work, and all these things. But we believe this: what we do, we feel like it is vital and important. You know, we come and we worship. On Sundays, corporately, and we come and we, you know, we get we minister to God, and we get ministered to by God, and we minister to each other. And you know, we have went, you know, we have this pink impact, man. I'm going to tell you, do not miss it. It is phenomenal. It is a great deal. It is bigger than you can. I, prom, I promise you, it's bigger than you can imagine. It's a multi day event with lots of stuff going on, and it's it's go, It's all out. I mean, it'll take until next year to recuperate to do it again. You know. But but you women, when you get together, man, it's important. That's what God does. I mean, these people in the in the old New Testament, these people ate together every night. They worshipped every day together. They were always together. And you know, if we if we let society just tear us apart, where we have nothing left but an hour a week with each other, then what do we have? Nothing. There is no context. There is no learning. There is no loving. There is no forgiving. There's there is no hope. There is no encouragement. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Servolution, man. What if everybody would have been there? Wednesday nights, what if everybody was here learning? Now, hey, you know, sometimes you got things that happen. I understand that. You know, it's, it's real easy, and, and hear me out, because not everything that man makes a priority is God's priority. But I do this. I know that the Sabbath is a priority to God, our worship. And, you know, when you're at, when, and, I, and hey, everybody needs a vacation, but you know what, vacation somewhere where there's a church within at least a driving distance from Sunday morning is nothing. I mean, you know, it should be, this, is, this should be sacrificial, right? We come here committed to say, I'm going to be with the Father today. But, you know, but just being faithful wherever you're at on Sundays to go. But also, you know, Wednesday nights, man, William is doing a jam-up job. We're just going through the Bible. It's, a, it's, it's sad to know how many people don't know just the general stories of the Bible and the timelines of the Bible. And we're offering that because we want you to know what the Word says. But you know, I think today, I, mean, I don't think it's a shotgun call today, but you know, some of you could be serving in the church. You know, that's, that's what it's here for. for you to serve. We're not asking you to get up here and preach. We're asking you just to do what God has put on your heart, what you're good at, to be a part We could use your help. Because the bigger we get, it's nicer, but there's also more problems. There's more things. we got a new event center over there. we got to clean that thing too now. (laughs) You know, there's just all kind of stuff going on. But today, I just want to ask you this. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself, Holy Spirit, what would you say to me today if I lent you my ear? And I believe this. I believe some of you would hear something. I don't care how, you know, involved you are or uninvolved. I believe that, you know, some of you, God wants to say, look, I want to go on another step with you in the context of this great, mysterious church that I created for you to grow closer to me and reveal me to the world. But what is it that you need to do? How many of you have heard something from the Holy Spirit today? Maybe you need to serve. Maybe you need to get committed, like, like Miss Kathy said. You know, maybe you need a clean house where you can be committed as God wants you to be. But whatever it is today, make that decision. Do what God has called you to do and be blessed by it. Amen.